Welcome to the Great Communicators podcast presented by the MIT Office of Graduate Education, a professional development podcast expressly designed to bring lessons from the field to our graduate student researchers. My name is Adam Greenfield, and one game I remember playing a lot as a kid was the telephone game. You know the one where you start with a line of people and the person on one end says something into the ear of the person next to them, then see if it's the same message by the time it gets to the other end. Well, there's a bit of that game in the episode we're about to hear. It's knowing the world is full of different people, and part of communicating is listening, then responsibly engaging in good faith with the new knowledge you've gained. Our guest today, through his own lifetime of experiences and encounters with people all over the world, has learned that as he's grown older, communicating effectively hasn't gotten any easier. Instead, it's harder. It has gotten more complex, maybe, because I realize how many different ways people tell stories. That's Lee Haffrey, a senior lecturer at MIT Sloan School of Management, and he's had his hands in the communication and ethics cookie jars for some time now. I have taught at Sloan since 1995, and I started out teaching in the communication area. I still have that affiliation, but I now teach leadership and ethics and communication factors into what I do in both those areas, but it's less obviously what I teach. But what Lee mentioned earlier about how communicating has essentially become more difficult he learned from his experiences prior to teaching at Sloan. Growing up, I worked, lived in multiple cultures. I spoke, and this would be relevant, I think, for a lot of our students, uh, several different languages, French, German, some Russian, some Romanian, and, and working across those cultures and the languages that go with them, I realized that a, there is no one right way to do anything, but B, that in many cases people have the same impulses, the same instincts, and frankly, the same values. So how do you negotiate the combination of difference and similarity that I think we all see when we work across cultures? What story do you tell to recognize that, that nuanced day-to-day experience of living in the world? This touches a bit on what other guests in this podcast series also touch on which is an understanding that our backgrounds shape us. Because Lee has encountered various cultures and spent time in them throughout his life, he now has a different way of looking at something. Notice how I said different, not wrong or right or better or worse, just different. Before we move further, I think it's important to point out that you don't need to be a world traveler or multilinguist to be able to effectively communicate with others or even bring something credible and compelling to the conversation. Again, we all have our own lifetime's worth of experiences and knowledge. Couple that with a willingness to accept the differences and expertise of others, and everyone benefits. Yet, even with all these distinctions and variations in ideas and knowledge, Lee starts off with maybe a little pie-in-the-sky thinking. I I think we would all like to believe that there is an absolute truth out there, and that over time we will discover it and live in in bliss and... and (laughs) And, and you know, innocence for the rest of our collective lives. And that may be the reality. Of course, this is also a short-lived daydream. But I think for the moment, we have to recognize that we differ in our perspectives on the way the world 
works and on the truth or falsity of any given premise. And so we need to find a way to make the case, whatever we believe the case to be. And we need to have the patience to sit down with people who, with equal good faith, come to totally different conclusions based on the same set of facts. When Lee talks about making the case, he's actually referring to argumentation skills and the need to learn how to argue well. By argue well, I don't mean engage in deceit uh, or, or manipulation of the facts, but to, in, in good faith, do our best to weigh the implicate, to take in all the facts and weigh their relative significance given where we are headed collectively, and then make the case. It's not just feedback, it's also your position. The conversation matters. And so you need to be able to put together a good argument. You also need to have the skill, the ability, the patience, the maybe it's wisdom to listen to the other person, hear what that person, he or she is saying, and build it into a conversation that then moves towards consensus. Also inherent in this consensus is more than just being amenable to the things others are saying, but also the ability to set aside any preconceived notions. And this may seem like it flies in the face of all that we've talked about in the series so far regarding the impossibility of coming at something without any kind of bias, but it's more about finding the balance between having your own ideas and absorbing the ideas of others. More importantly, it's about a willingness to accept that maybe, just maybe, you really don't have all the data or information on the subject. You have to, you have willingly to set aside your own assumptions and recognize that maybe you don't know what's going on, that you don't have a full understanding of the situation in which you find yourself. People, you know, and this goes back to the, our, our, our central focus here on communication, people by and large willingly open their mouths to say things. Uh, you know, we all like to talk about ourselves, right? But the people who I think adjust best to the world that we now know and you know given the material i teach you'll understand i would say too that the best leaders listen to what people say and listen in a way that allows them to hear not just what is said on the surface but the implications of what is being said and have that those people have the ability to imagine what lies behind uh, the, the the surface message and to work with that and and I don't think it's easy and I don't know that there's any one way to get there beyond experience but I do also think that respect for others makes it possible to practice the patience that allows you to hear what's getting said and then you respond Lee also points out that how we respond and communicate can depend on the content of the work at hand. While making sure the details and specifics of the research are not forgotten, there's a responsibility to be sure the audience understands why it matters. It's a calibration between what you are presenting and what the audience has also brought to the table, including their expectations. To illustrate this point, Lee uses British theater. 
in one of my courses, I use a play uh, by Michael Frayn, uh, Copenhagen, which is about Niels Bohr and Werner Heisenberg, so two Nobel-winning uh, physicists, right, who have a meeting during World War II. It's all about the, the atomic bomb and the projects that the Nazis on the one side and the Americans on the other uh, were developing. And, and the third character in the, in the play, Margrethe Bohr's wife, plays the role of the, of the public. She tests both physicists who are deeply involved in their work and their research and says effectively, and, and she does some of this just passively, but you know, does what you're telling us make sense? Why does this matter? How does it matter? Explain to me as a stand-in for the broader public why what you are doing and why what you are doing matters and how we judge it to be good or bad on, on moral grounds. And I think, you know, it doesn't have to be the atom bomb, it doesn't have to be nuclear energy, but anything that, that serious researchers engage in, in the name of, call it pure science, they still, I think, for ethical reasons, need to be aware of the way in which what they do intersects with daily life. So clearly, there's always the lure of choosing personal fulfillment over truth and knowledge in science. Lee also acknowledges its reality. I don't think much of that happens at a place like MIT, but the temptation exists. And, and so when we talk about professional communication, I would argue that you, you, you need to be mindful of the risk of getting or the, the potential for seduction, shall we say, right? That your name and lights, I think all of us have a little bit of that in us somewhere. You want to test uh, for the motives that bring you to the work that you do and the way you do it and the way you transmit it. Lee also uses the word professionalism, even when teaching, when it comes to standards and ethics in your work and how you communicate it to an audience. I asked my classes here at Sloan, how many of you think of yourselves as professionals? Virtually every hand goes up, right? Because we have very positive associations with the term and we should. But what does, what does profession, professionalism mean? A bunch of things, uh, including a code of conduct. So a set of ethical standards, mindfulness that goes with that, that you know that you have a trust-based relationship with society that those who don't have your expertise, which is another key component to professionalism, trust you to deliver you what you do well. And well means, first of all, I think putting there, that is the patients, the client's interests ahead of your own, right? But also adhering to a set of standards that, that the profession has articulated in communication with this larger society. And I would argue that people who work in the, in academics, who are doing serious research in the sciences, but also the humanities, you know, and the arts, uh, have some obligation to think about the relationship between what they do for their own pleasure, for the pleasure of people who do the kind, same kinds of work they do, but what responsibility they have to the larger society. I don't think you ever want to let that go away. And communication, makes it possible for you to ensure that. One glance around, and it's clear we live in a world full of people from various backgrounds. Because of this, 
Everyone has their own perspective born from their own experiences and learned knowledge. And a significant portion of communicating, according to Lee Haffrey, is not just acknowledging the existence of others, but listening to what others have to say as well. But it doesn't stop there. Now that you've listened, the next step is to engage with your audience in good faith with the new knowledge and information you've taken in. As a communicator, you have a responsibility to society when it comes to these good faith efforts and ethical standards. No pressure or anything. Thanks for listening to the Great Communicators podcast brought to you by the MIT Office of Graduate Education. My name is Adam Greenfield, and feel free to talk amongst yourselves. This podcast was written and produced by Adam Greenfield. The executive producer of this podcast is Patrick Urich. The Great Communicators Podcast. The Great Communicators Podcast, Brad Comics Live, Brad Comics The Game, and the Technically Speaking Comic Book Series are part of a professional development initiative called Brad X. Brad X is made possible by Brad the X is made possible by the Office of Graduate Education at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. To find out more about GradX, as well as get access to other episodes of the Great Communicators podcast, go to gradx.mit.edu. For more information and links on the music used in this episode, please see the show notes.